0: You know, it's Friday when you hear that music, and it is time to check in with the Vancouver Suns' Vaughn Palmer. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jill. And yes, my
1: theme song, (laughs) one of the pinnacles of 20th century culture, the village people. I Mm -hmm. think
0: you agree? Yes, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Always a sign of Friday. So what are we talking about today? Well, you know, I I gave the
1: premier kind of a hard time earlier this week about his um, comments, on the heat wave, so I thought maybe I should note. Uh, I thought he was in pretty good form yesterday with the uh, the impromptu press conference on the fire, forest fire situation, wildfires, and what happened in Lytton. Um, the, the, the message, I think, inside the government is that John Horgan is a terrific communicator. When he stays on message, he he talks himself into trouble when he starts improvising on the things that weren't in his talking points. And uh, I think we saw that with the heat wave uh, comments where, you know, seniors have to look after themselves versus what we got yesterday on Lytton, where, as I said, I thought it was was a very strong performance by the Premier and uh, some strong messaging there, too. And, and I think, first of all, you say, you know, the sympathy uh, for Lytton and the promise that the province will be there to help those folks rebuild because, as we see, uh, you know, there's not much left of that poor little town. It's, it's gone. So that's a big challenge. Um, the other thing that really struck me about what uh, Premier Horgan and uh, Emergency Services Minister Mike Farnworth talked about yesterday, is um, it's a wildfire emergency in B.C., all right, but it's also now an annual event. Uh, Horgan will be marking his fourth year as premier in a a few weeks, 18th of July. And this will be the third summer of emergency situation regarding forest fires. So it's not an unexpected event. It's now becoming an annual routine in British
0: Columbia. And do you think that's going to be... So what, how do they respond to that? Or what do you expect the response might be or well, something different?
1: You know, we've had in the past, we've had inquiries into what did we learn and what can we do, and they've done a lot. I, I think we got that yesterday in the briefing. You know, they've, they've added a lot of resources uh, to our firefighting, welfare-containing prevention and firefighting ability in British Columbia. Although, I mean, you can always do more, but we have added a lot, so that's the first thing to say uh the other thing is the protocols preventions and and dealing with are better and you only need to go back to some of the really bad years in the past and realize we've gotten a lot better but the other thing you know jill is 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 look at what they 're up against this this fire in Lytton, this is we 've got wildfires now that are so ferocious and so fast moving they generate their own weather system, their own lightning storms that start more fires. Uh, they just had minutes to get ready in in litton it's i don 't know how much prevention and precaution you could take so uh, we've entered a, a new era. It's related, of course, to, you know, climate change. Uh, it's related to hotter fires, more dangerous fires, more fires. And, you know, I, I, I think the government is expressing sympathy for the community. I think you also have to recognize that when we get to this year's postmortem on the firefighting season, uh, we're going to have to look much more seriously at what can be done in the long run.
0: Uh, do you think they're going to separate it, though, and take a look at what happened in Lytton? And yes, it was a wildfire that, that sparked and took off within minutes, but different from, say, wildfires, though, the other ones that we see burning, that, that we do have a bit of warning and might lead to an evacuation alert and then an order or, that do seem tend to play out a bit differently.
1: Well, uh, you make a good point, Joe, although, you know, <laughs> if you followed... As as we all were doing on social media, the the situation in Kamloops, um, that one was moving very quickly too, and the community got lucky and sort of dodged the bullet. But uh, I don't know how much of that was prevention and how much of that was good luck. I think that's one of the things. See, you now the premier got asked about. I mean, he raised it. He said, "This is part of climate change." Um, And so he got asked, well, what are you doing about it? And again, I thought his answer was fairly realistic. We are doing things in British Columbia. You can always say we're not doing enough and we could do more. But John Horgan also emphasized, which I think is a case of realism, that it's a global problem. That everything we do in Canada is only a tiny part of what needs to be done because of we're just such a small player in the world in terms of generating emissions. Uh, So, you know, again, I I think we do have a climate plan in British Columbia. We were one of the first places to bring in a carbon tax, and Democrats originally opposed it. Now they support it, and they're raising it. Uh, Yes, uh, we could do more, but I think also there, I I don't think it's an exercise in futility to, to talk about doing more, but... It does call for some realism, I think, in recognizing that everything we do here is only a small part of what needs to be a global effort, even though British Columbia communities, some of them, especially in the dry interior forests, are disproportionately uh, paying the price for global warming.
0: And I'm glad you brought that up because it can be a political hot potato, for lack of a better word, when, when leaders and elected officials say that, because it's true. As a country, we are a tiny, tiny part of the global issue. But whenever you say that, you, you tend to get painted with the brush of, well, you don't care about the climate. So of course, you can do that. But there is that balance, don't you think, of we can punish people, we can raise taxes and we can do all of these things that punish people. And if it doesn't make a difference, then what's the point?
1: well that that is a that is I agree with you, Jill, and that is a challenge for political leadership because it it entails asking your own population to make huge sacrifices in terms of lifestyle and where you live and where you travel and the vehicles you drive and what you do and what you pay for energy and what you pay for raw materials and products it, it it's it's asking your population for to make a huge significant changes of lifestyle and sacrifices and then you go and they go why should we be doing this when even if we shut down our entire economy it would have almost no impact because we're such a small player well the the answer that comes back is if we don't set an example, how are we ever going to persuade the rest of the world to do anything? And again, you're reminded that Canada is a small player in all this. And, you know, you can you can go at it from a lot of different directions. Uh, I do have some sympathy for, for the politicians that are trying to lead on this. It is tough to get people to accept the need, for example, for carbon taxes when they aren't, the research suggests, they aren't high enough to have yet generated the changes in lifestyle and patterns of behavior that would have a significant impact on emissions. Now, you know, maybe the pandemic is going to change some of that. Maybe the forest fire season is going to change some of that, but, this is, uh, this is a tough one. I, you know, the wartime analogy is overused in terms of, well, you know, look at how we pulled together and changed our lifestyles and sacrificed and paid the bills to fight a world war. But in, without the going overboard rhetorically, in terms of the effort that's required, I do think the wartime analogy is useful as long as you don't overuse it.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I think a lot of people would definitely agree uh, with that. Vaughn, we are right out of time. Sure. Thank you so much. It's been great t- chatting with you these yeah. past two weeks, good. and have a good weekend. Good luck catching up on your sleep, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right, will do. Thanks so much. That is Vaughn Palmer, Vancouver Sun columnist, with his view on Victoria.